look like this. But you've got to remember, Ruth, the book of Ruth is a foreshadow of many things to come. So in, in the hope and, and the happy ending, church, we get that in eternity in Christ our Redeemer. So though we may look at it and be like, why don't I have this story of, of Ruth where um, some, some man or woman sweeps me off my feet and takes me out of my bad situation, you know, marrying up and, and they, they get to give their inheritance to me and I just get to, to live this beautiful and happy life. But as I've mentioned, this is a foreshadow of the true Redeemer, Christ Jesus. That we've been redeemed. We are the bride of Christ. We've, we've been in death and we've been in despair apart from him. But in Christ Jesus, we're redeemed and we have hope for a future and an eternity in Christ our Lord. Our main point this morning is redemption, rest, and the Redeemer. Redemption, rest, and the Redeemer. And what I mean by that, we, we've talked a lot about resting, right? We, we even, uh, and on our Christmas Eve service, talked about peace and peace being found in Jesus and, and how we only find true eternal peace in Jesus. And when you find that kind of peace, you can rest. That's why when we, when we look at the Old Testament, we see Sabbath, right? Worship on the Sabbath, don't work on the Sabbath. And, and people today would be like, well, why don't we do that on the Sabbath, right? Why do, why do we ignore Saturday? What happened? Remember, first off, Jesus fulfilled a lot of that. So you've got to make sure that you're, you're following what exactly is said. But we also get a more full picture in Jesus Christ because the Sabbath was a picture of Jesus who would come and be our Sabbath, our eternal rest. That we don't have to wait and find rest then. We can rest here and now and for all of eternity because of the redemption of our Redeemer. So you this morning can rest in Christ Jesus. You don't have to work your way. You don't have to go to the field picking up the leftovers and, and trying to, to, to find some source of life. Because we found eternal life in our Redeemer who did the work. So I want to break this up into to two basic parts. This morning, and the first part is the Redeemer, and the second part will be the Redeemed. We'll start with the Redeemer. First off, we don't have a clock in here, so to be conscious of your all's time, uh, anybody care to give me the time right now? 11, 27, 10, 27. Okay, I've got until 11, 27 then. So, all right, 10, 27, that, that gives me a little bit of a, a, a check, so when the shadows go down and it's dark, we'll stop. Um, that is good to know. So we pick up here talking about the Redeemer. If you're with us in Ruth chapter 4, verse 1 picks up and says, Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, Turn aside, friends, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi who has come back from the country of Moab is selling the parcel of, uh, of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it. And I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, The day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead and his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. 
So remember the, the picture here. That we're getting a foreshadow of Christ, the Messiah, our Savior, our eternal Redeemer. Okay? The picture comes from Boaz, who is simply a picture of the one to come. Is not perfect. Is not our true Savior. And, and Ruth had no um, eternal hope in Boaz. She still had her Savior, her God, who she was faithfully following throughout this entire story. But Boaz is the redeemer of this story who is redeeming her name and taking her from death and despair and reconciling her back into life. And we see here that, that Ruth, in these first few verses, is nowhere to be found. She's not here, right? Remember, remember back in, in chapter 3, it says, um, Naomi says to Ruth, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. So the Redeemer, Boaz, is going out and he's accomplishing this work and this purpose. That she would be redeemed. So Ruth, who is us, especially us, and, um, because we've talked about how Ruth is a foreigner. The Moabites and the Israelites didn't get along. They were enemies. You weren't to marry outside of that land. You weren't to marry someone from Moab. So they were foreigners. They were Gentiles, right? So this redemption shows us that it's not about being uh, a Jew, right? Even Paul says it, it, we're not Jews simply inwardly. It's not about circumcision physically, but of the heart. So this gives us a great hope in Jesus Christ that though we are foreign and though we are unclean, though we are imperfect, that we can draw near to the Savior and his finished work at the cross and find redemption. Because the Redeemer completes it. We don't add to, we don't bring to the table. We simply trust and rest in the finished work of the cross. Amen? Amen. Amen. So redemption is resting in the Redeemer. And this is what the Redeemer is doing. So we, we remember that Ruth went to Boaz in, in chapter 3. She uncovers his feet. It was a sign of a proposal. And he was just blown away at her faithfulness. He was blown away at her obedience. He was blown away that she would come to him, right? He was older in age. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful that you didn't seek out a younger man, right? I'm thankful that, that you found, like, I found favor with you. And he says, I'll take care of this matter. And the Lord will repay for you. He'll, he'll give back to you and remain. I'm going to take care of this. And he does. He is the one accomplishing this work. So I want to start moving down with the work of this Redeemer. So this is a, a family member of some sorts to Boaz. And he doesn't call him by his name. Um, some commentaries uh, will talk about maybe this man didn't have uh, a name. His name wasn't given because he didn't have noble character. Names matter in the Bible. And this man, he leaves Ruth without. Maybe it was just for the sake of, hey, this, this guy's not completely relevant to the story. But he says here, he says, turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. So they sit down and they're getting ready to have this discussion. And this was at the, the gate, right? Um, here in the, the town, there was this place where they would all sit around and talk and you would find people. And it was pretty much like the, the olden days of Facebook, right? You just like spend your, hey, you want to socialize? You're going to go here, right? And you're not just going to be a keyboard warrior. You're going to come here and we're going to talk. And this is where we'll handle matters and people are going to uh, socialize. So naturally he sees this man and he knows that he's going to be here and they talk. He, he's, this is where I'm going to handle this matter. And he took 10 minutes, says in verse 2, 
of the elders of the city. And he said, sit down. So they sat down here. He's setting it up because there are witnesses to the redemption. There are going to be witnesses who see exactly what has happened. And in the story of our Savior, our true eternal Redeemer, there were witnesses. People who saw the sacrifice of Christ. They saw the matter play out. Uh, play out and they saw Jesus pay the price for his people. And not only that, but there were witnesses to the resurrection of Christ Jesus. To know that he overcame and was indeed our true Redeemer. Boaz was setting this up. He's not just taking this, this woman. He's not going through a different avenue. He says, he told Ruth. He says, there's another redeemer before I. She's, she's going out. She's proposing to him. And he's like, there's another man, right? Like, he's got first dibs on you. Like, could you imagine being Ruth in that position? Like, I don't know this man, and you're telling me that he's got dibs? Like, yeah, he does. This was, this was part of, of God's law and commands that, that they wouldn't be left without and names could carry on and people would be taken care of. This was, this was a setup to show us the redemption in Christ Jesus. So he gets these, these witnesses. Then he says to this redeemer who's left nameless, says, Naomi has come back from the country of Moab and is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I'd tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of the elders of my people. And if you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not tell me, for there's no one besides you to redeem it, and then I come after you. Right? So this is the first time when we get to see that, that there's some kind of um, gain here. That they would be getting land. And see what would happen um, in, in the Old Testament times, right, in, in history, is if the husband died, it was almost like your property and your assets were like mortgaged out. And you'd have to buy it to get it back. So there was a price to pay for Ruth and Naomi to acquire this land back. And we understand through context and what we've looked at is, is these two women were pretty helpless. And they were following behind to get the, the leftover grain of the field. Right? Remember this is going on in the barley harvest. And, and they're gaining uh, the, the leftover grain for their food. So these women didn't have the kind of money to be able to buy their land back. So there was a price to pay. And he says, hey, if you pay this price, and it wasn't full price, right? There's just some kind of fee to, to get it. If you do this, then this land is yours. Seems like a, a pretty good deal, right? Like cousin's gone, dead, and I pay a little fee and I get the land. He says, yeah, I'll buy it. I will redeem it, right? Like, why not? That's like Monopoly when you won't make like a terrible deal. And I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll buy Boardwalk from you for... For, you know, the green space or the brown space. Like, it's like playing Monopoly with my kid. Like, it, 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 it's an easy decision. But then Boaz, he, he left out a piece of it. He says, you want this land? All you have to do is pay the fee. Um, Naomi's, you know, husband had died. And now we got to buy the land. Someone's got to redeem it. it. says, then Boaz said, the day that you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead and his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. See, Ruth was rejected as the foreigner. Ruth was rejected as the outsider. 
Now there's there's a little bit here, right? We we know that that Ruth has had faith in God. She's acted out of faith and obedience to the one true God throughout this this entire thing. So she's she's been redeemed spiritually. But this man for whatever reason does not see her as worthy, still sees her as an outsider, sees her pretty much as the mother of the dead, right? Like we see that Elimelech had gone and he'd died and his two sons had died. And this man may be looking at it like, I'm not marrying a Moabite woman. Like, I might die. Now we have a, a family member. Um, it's my Aunt Sally. And I remember when I was a kid and uh, my mom's here uh, from West Virginia. So she might correct me on, on this afterward. But um, I remember as a kid and I don't know if it was a joke. So this one like prefacing like my mom might be like that didn't happen. But I remember being like. Aunt Sally's like a, a sweet lady, you know, like she married, like I love family, right? Like if I could get more family, by all means, that's why I married into a family where my wife has five siblings, like family's great. My mom um, remarried and I got uh, two more siblings. The sister sometimes is, you know, all right. Uh, and the brother sometimes is all right, but you know, I'm the, the golden child. So this Aunt Sally, I was like, she married and, and I remember them saying, well, she was married three times and I'm like, oh, poor thing, like. You know, it just didn't work out. Like something maybe happened. They were like, she's a widow three times. I'm like, a widow three times? I'm like, yeah. And she probably won't remarry again. I'm like, no kidding. Like you marry her again and you might like, you don't, like we don't know, Aunt Sally. So, and you see the story here with Ruth. It seems like a bad idea. She's a foreigner. And the one Israelite that married her is now dead. We see that, that even Naomi had gone off with her husband, and he too died. We see that there was another son. He marries a Moabite woman and is now dead. This wasn't a situation that many would want to find themselves in. This wasn't a situation that a lot of people would want to jump right into in their life. So this, this Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. It says, take my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Before I go any further, I want to make the point, church, there is no other redeemer for us. See, this is a foreshadow of Christ to come, but there is no other redeemer other than Jesus. Right? There's not, we're not saying, hey, God, I cannot simply, uh, I don't want to redeem myself, so could you redeem me for me? Could you now pay the price for me because I'm just too lazy that I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to work my way to heaven. That's not the case. Christ Jesus is our only redeemer. And he works out our redemption. Verse 7. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and to Malon. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife, to perpetuate the name of the dead and his inheritance that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. 
Then all the people who were at the gate and elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Pathetha and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, who Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. And we see the work of the Redeemer. That he paid the price to redeem Ruth from her situation of death and despair and to bring her to life. And Ruth is not there. The Redeemer works out our redemption. See, Jesus went to the cross. We're told to, to lay it at the cross. We're told to, to take up our cross daily, right? To, to count the cost of following Jesus. But we're not called to pay with our blood. We're not called to pay with our works. Because Jesus paid the price. Jesus went to the cross. Jesus lived the life that we couldn't live. And maybe that, that, that sounds hurtful, right? Because we're incapable of earning our redemption. But find rest in the Redeemer because he redeems you by his sacrifice. Like that sets you free. It sets you free from having to work and to earn and to, to, to live in anxiety. Knowing that we cannot redeem ourselves. Church, our redemption rests in the Redeemer. And we see how it plays out here. We see the foreshadow of what Christ did. That he went and paid the price. And they, they, they ask for God's blessing. May the, may the Lord make this woman, right? That, that the Lord would, would use Ruth to bless this man, to bless, bless the, the entire nation because of this. And that's what we should pray even for, for our own marriages that we see in, in our church family with our, with our own spouse, that God would use it and bless it. But the work of redemption rests in the Redeemer. And the redeemed, the redeemed prays because of the work of the redemption. The work of the redeemer. We praise him. So let's look at the redeemed. What happens? So, so um, he goes and he, he works this out. He redeems her. He pays the price. And it says, so Boaz in verse 13 took Ruth and she became his wife. And he went in to her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. And the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a Redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age, for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse, and the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. It says, Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered um, Am. Am fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered uh, Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. Yes, I shortened the one name. 
sermon prep doesn't always prepare you for these names and neither does my upbringing, right? So sometimes we just, we shorten them. It's okay to do that. The work of the Redeemer here, Christ and God working through the life of, of Ruth led to the lineage of Christ. But look at what redemption looks like. Sometimes we, we wonder, what, what would redemption look like in my life? Church, it's tangible. You can see it. You can experience it. Because we go back to, to chapter 1, and we see death. We, de we see despair. And then you get this, this loyalty of Ruth to her mother-in-law, who's now bitter. And you're like, man, this is it's going to be one of those stories, right? Like someone's going to die. And like something else is just terrible is going to happen. And you keep moving on. And you move on. And then you get to chapter 4 and you see this man go above and beyond for a woman who had nothing, who had nothing to contribute, whose land wasn't hers. Remember, the land came from, from Naomi's family. So Ruth brought nothing to the table. Except the once bitter mother-in-law, mother right? And we see that she's redeemed. We see that she's, she's no longer a widow. That she's now the bride of a man who loves her. She was once in despair and has now found joy. Not in her situation, right? Like, like Ruth has not been about the... the, the um, Things that perish, right? The temporal things of life. It wasn't about the, the field or uh, the grain. She has this man who has redeemed her. Though she was a foreigner, though she was an outsider, considered unclean, rejected by this other man, she's found joy in the bridegroom. And they have this child. Something she didn't have. She's given this joy. She's given this inheritance because of the work of the Redeemer. And then from that, from this very sticky, messed up, soppy, sad situation, comes the line of Jesus. That Jesus comes from the family of Ruth. Right? We see, we see Ruth gives birth to a son and goes on and goes down. Obed fathered Jesse, right? Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse and Jesse fathered David. And we know that from the lineage of David came who? Jesus. We know that David was a picture of the king who was coming to save his people from their sins. And it was a picture of Jesus, right? David was the lesser Jesus. He was the lesser king, but he pointed to the Messiah. He had faith in the Messiah. He led according to the word of God. But this redemption is tangible. We see that we're, we're not left in despair because of our situation. But we see that we've been redeemed, not by our work, but by the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And because of that, church, we have an inheritance. Now, don't go like digging up your yard, hoping to find that inheritance under your ground. Our inheritance, our riches are stored in heaven. 
That's why I said that, that we look at this and we're like, why don't I have this beautiful story where I just get to, to have all these things and I can just quit working because my wife works or my husband works this, all these hours and they pay for everything, right? I'll just stay at home and, and take care of things around there. No, we deal with in this fallen world, death and despair and messed up situations. That's the effect of sin on this world. But we have an inheritance in Christ that is yet to be completely fulfilled. We can see it. Paul writes about it. In Ephesians 1. It says, In him we have obtained an inheritance. Not we have earned an inheritance. Not that we have bought an inheritance. We have obtained an inheritance. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that... Uh, we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory in him. You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Tangible. You want to you know if you're redeemed and you're like, where's my where, where's the inheritance it talks about? Right. Where is that? Well, first off, you've been given the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. That word would be like a down payment. That the Holy Spirit is, is living inside of you, assuring you of your salvation in Christ Jesus and the work he accomplished for you. You can rest assured that that is a sign that you are saved and you should go out and do his will, knowing that the possession of your inheritance has yet to come. And what is that? What is the inheritance? It's salvation. It's a here. It's an already, but not yet. Right? We, we're saved. Right? We're sanctified. But we're also being sanctified. That it is something to come. Right? We're not looking for gold. We're not looking for all the riches. But church, we have all the riches in our eternal salvation from our eternal Lord Jesus Christ. Redemption rests in the Redeemer. And look, look, what, look what Paul calls us to God. Look what Paul Paul is saying that we are this to God. Let me see here. It goes on and I'm just going to have to read this, right? I think I, like I said, I've got to 11:27. So, uh, Ephesians 1:15, for this reason because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that God that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, that God is finding inheritance in you as he's redeemed you for his glory, that he sees us as a prized possession, not because of anything we've done, but because he's done something in us. He says, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and sealed him, seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Ben, you can go ahead and come back up. 
church redemption is, is tangible. Redemption is not attainable by our works. No, redemption rests in the Redeemer. If you want to find rest this morning, if you want to find rest for 2022, if you want to get out of the, the pit that, that this entire world's been living in and despair and sadness and sorrow, find rest in the Savior. It's not going to take away the problems of the world. But it'll make you righteous before a holy God because of the finished work of our Redeemer, Christ Jesus. You see, we... We, we try to make this more complicated than it needs to be, right? Like, like as, as if works-based faith would be any better. And we're, well, I'm, I'm good enough, right? Let's just say, say you could be maybe good enough. You're never going to rest. You're never going to find the rest that, that you find in Christ. See, Christ sets us free. Yes, He calls us to do good works. He calls us to, to do His will. He says that we'll suffer. Honestly, the Christian life, you're going to probably have more suffering. But we know that we have an inheritance and a hope and eternity. That God has made us His prized possession in Christ Jesus. We, we can see now as we, we look at the book of Ruth, we can see that that is our situation. And we can say here and now that the best is yet to come. That we know that the bridegroom is coming back for his bride one day. Amen, church? And we know that he's going to redeem and he's going to restore fully. See, if we wonder why do we go through things here and now, it's because it's an already not yet. You've experienced salvation, but you're going to see it in its fullness on that day. We long for that. But here and now, rest. Rest in the Redeemer and know that your redemption rests in your Redeemer, your Lord Jesus Christ. And if you have not rested, repent of your sin and believe in Jesus. This isn't some uh, mystical thing. You don't have to come up here and, and bow before the pulpit. You don't have to you know, get on your knees. You don't have to turn to the east or the west. Repent in your heart and believe in Jesus as your Lord. Let us know that you did that. We want to know. But because of what the Redeemer did, we find rest. And we go and we share that. We go to put Jesus in the perspective. In 2022, church, let that be our year. Let that be the year that they're like, man, those people at New Hill are crazy. But they love the Lord. And they serve. They serve relentlessly. That one pastor, Stone Cold Steve Austin pastor, he knocks on doors all over this place. And he tells people about Jesus. I thought he was coming to sign me up for the gym and get me. No, he's, he's here to, to get you spiritually fit and ready to learn about the Lord. Amen. Let us go out and do that this year. To go and tell people that, that we find rest in the Redeemer. And there's one Redeemer in the eternal story of God. That's Jesus Christ our Lord. That's great. Father, we thank you for this morning that we've had together. God, we pray for our church family, those who are missing. Pray for um, health, uh, just good health for them, any of them that are sick. God, we, we still praise you for Brother Andy and just um, that you've redeemed and you're restoring his, uh, you were actively restoring his body back to full strength. And um, God, you're so good and gracious. Thank you for that. Just pray for good health for everyone. Um, 
pray for safe travels for those who are traveling. And Lord, we just thank you for all that you've done. And particularly as we close up this book, I pray that we would be reminded of the redemption that we find in our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. I pray that we would be hit in the gut being reminded that we can't do this on our own. God, and I pray that it would humble us. God, it's the humble that are saved, not the proud. Let us be humble this morning. Let us find refuge in you, our God. God, I pray for um, the next year. God, as we get ready to enter into a new year, it just always seems like a good time to, to reset. I pray that you would just be with us. Help us to see the open doors that you've placed before us. God, that we would make disciples. God, that we would evangelize. That we would love on our church family. would serve our community well. And that through it all, the name of Jesus would be glorified and exalted above all things. Father, we love you and praise you and thank you so much for this time this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.